Praise the Lord. Thank you, Sister Rachel, for uh, sharing God's word through that song. And I hope that's our heart's desire this morning because God wants our heart. Amen. Uh, our heart speaks of uh, the seat of our being. And uh, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, uh, why saying? Wonderful statement. My son, give me thine heart. Isn't it? And aren't you glad that your heart, uh, before we got saved, the Bible says in Jeremiah, is desperately wicked, isn't it? Who can know it? It was corrupt. But when we got saved, God transformed our hearts. Amen? God made a new creation in us, and now we have a new spirit. And our heart now desires the things that are spiritual, desire the things that are of God. And that's the reason we are here today. Amen? Because we know this is the Lord's day. Amen? This is the day uh, that the Lord had made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. It's the day to worship the one who has given us all things. You know, life, eternal life, everything that we have in this world, both materially, physically, and most of all spiritually, it's God who is the source of all these things. So we ought to worship him and praise him today. And I feel like uh, I'm still in a bubble from yesterday's uh, joyful and wonderful occasion. Amen. I feel like I'm uh, heading to paradise with this uh, beautiful <laughs> Hawaiian sort of like decoration here. So uh, imagine that some of our brethren out of their labor of love were here until like 2 o'clock in the morning uh, preparing this place, just uh, making this place uh, transformative for the enjoyment of one another, especially the, uh, the couple who just celebrated their 33 years of wedding uh, bliss and anniversary. And we know it's not free from any trial and sorrow, but through it all by God's grace. Amen? They made it together, and that's also our uh, heart's desire as couples here in the church. So thank God for your labor of love. And um, that's why the ushers, when they come here later, they'll have a grand time walking. Amen? <laughs> Very much decorated. And... Uh, all right, so we're going to go to the message. It's the last Sunday, amen, of the month of July, and July is our education uh, month. And if you recall, last week I preached in the afternoon, and I preached about uh, prophecy. I preached about the will, the plan of God for the world, as he uh, tells us in the scripture, so we look at some current events. And uh, today we will be... Uh, tackling, discussing some things that is practical, all right? So I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles in the book of Psalms, chapter uh, 37. This is a Psalm of David. You know, this is about uh, him uh, asking God for peace, for understanding, because he saw that the wicked are prospering. The wicked have probably money, Maybe some false sense of security because they trust in their wealth to protect them. They have armies. They have material goods. And here is David who is a righteous man who's trying to walk and do God's will, but he's suffering. And sometimes do you feel like that, you know? You look at the world and there are these corrupt politicians, uh, wicked people, evil people, drug lords, and seems like they have all the fun in the world. They are... Mary and they have no care in this world and sometimes in our human feeling we feel envious but we know as the bible teaches if we look at the end of their lives their destiny if we don't have god in their lives 
He did not have that uh, peace and forgiveness that comes from God. We should not be envious of them, isn't it? Because their end is going to be really bad. But thanks be to God, because we are children of God, our suffering in this world is just temporal. Amen? Our hardship is temporal. So if you can stand with me, if you're able to do so, we'll read these verses of Scripture just for the sake of time. We'll read verses 1 to 5, then also verse 23. Then we'll look also at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. All right? So if you're there, say a hearty amen. I hope you have your Bibles with you. I know uh, we are so spoiled here, and we make things convenient when we, you know, uh, broadcast the verses there of Scripture. But it's always good to have your tangible Bibles with you. Amen? The book with cover. So you can uh, really feel it in your hands and feel it in your heart, the Word of God. And it's really uh, advisable that you can even put notes on it and highlight things that blesses your heart. But... Uh, we should never trust in the, the digital all the time. Amen? It's like me. I lost my, my tablet today, so I have to print it out. All right? So thank God. All right? So let's read it all together. Uh, Psalms 37, verse 1 to 5. Begin. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither down as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Let's uh, read verse 23 of the same chapter. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighted in his way. Then let's look at our New Testament in the... Uh, Letter of Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 15, all the way to 17. And if you were here last Friday in our joint Bible study, our speaker, uh, Brother um, uh, Javier Garcia, also mentioned this verse of Scripture, you know, about understanding the will of God in our lives, uh, about not wasting, amen, our time. And do what we can do for the Lord while there is time. So let's read it, verses 15, all the way to 17. Begin, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What a good admonition, amen? Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of of the Lord's is. How to know you are walking in God's will. Very practical, very simple message today. I hope this will bless our hearts. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity that we are still alive in this very day to receive thy word and to behold thy face who is merciful and gracious and to say, Lord, that without you we are nothing. Truly, Lord, our gathering today in the name of Jesus, is never in vain. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and the freedom and the liberty to come into thy throne of grace, to thy presence. And we know, Lord, that we are undeserving. We are just sinners, Lord, saved by the wonderful grace of God. And we know, Lord, apart from the righteousness of Christ, we are not 
worthy, Lord, to come into thine presence today. Thou art a holy, righteous God. So we ask as a congregation of thy people, as a body of Christ, for your forgiveness, for your cleansing, for any sins that we have done against thee in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds. We pray once again for the precious blood of Christ to wash us, cover us. And Lord, may your word uh, have a, a passageway in our hearts. May it penetrate us, Lord, as I preach to myself, as I preach thy wonderful principles and precepts to thy people. Lord, help us to have understanding hearts and listening ears. Help us, Lord, to uh, di divorce, divorce ourselves, Lord, from the cares of this world and not be diverted, Lord, from any destruction and help us, Lord, to rightly uh, apply thy word in our hearts today. And we pray if, if there's anyone here who's not sure of their eternal destiny that they will make the greatest decision in their life this morning to trust Christ and him alone as their Lord and personal Savior. If you're, we're here and we're not right with you, help us, Lord, to get right with you and serve you with all our hearts. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing with me. As last week, we spoke about uh, end times prophecy. You know, uh, I don't know if some of you feel sort of like a doom and gloom. All right. But you know what? When we look at the Bible, what the Bible, what the Word of God says about the future, about uh, God's plan in our lives, it should not help. It should not make us feel sad. You know, it should give us actually hope, amen, <laughs> that the word of God is always true. That God has a plan and a purpose in this world, and God has a better plan and purpose to those he called to save, amen, to those he called to serve him. And it should make us steadfast, amen. It should make us, you know, uh, anxious and, and, and make us prepare, make us not... The prophecies are not to scare us, but prepare us, to equip us, to better, you know, live for the Lord and serve Him while we can, while we are in this world. So we need to understand that plan. So every now and then we speak about that. Now, nothing is more important in a believer's life than finding and doing the will of God. Amen? Let me repeat. Nothing is more important in a believer, in a Christian's life, than finding and doing the will of God. It's not just also good for preachers, but also for plumbers. Amen? They have to find the right thing to fix or else they're going to make a mess. Amen? We're going to have like leakage and chaos all over. But we can say the will of God is not something we have to do, but something that we get to do. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? It's not something we have to do, but... We get to do. So it's a privilege. Amen? So it's like, uh, you know, when you take some medicine, sometimes you don't like to take it because of the bad taste. But you have to do it. You have to take it. All right? But you know what? The same thing with the will of God. It's not like Alka-Seltzer, you know? It's hard to do. It's hard to swallow or castor oil. But it's something that you get to do. It's a privilege. Amen? It's a wonderful privilege. Jesus said himself, my meat is to do the will of God. That's the reason he came here on earth, to do the Father's will. And what was the Father's will? For his son to die on the cross. Amen? For the son to rescue the perishing. 
for the Son to seek and to save that which was lost, for the Son of God to fulfill the righteousness that we need to have in order for us to get to heaven. So he came, yeah, we know he was a great teacher, he was a great prophet, he was a great uh, man, he was a good man, he did a lot of wonderful works, miracles and such, but the ultimate goal, the ultimate plan and will that he has to do is the Father's will, and that is to purchase our redemption. Amen? So God's will for our life could be defined as, as a believer, walking in the steps that God has ordered for your life. We read that in Psalms 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the, who is it? Lord, by the Lord, and he delighted in his way. All right, truly, we know that we live in dark days, amen? I don't have to expound it. I don't have to elaborate it. The evil days that we're living in, because right now, right is now wrong, and wrong is right, isn't it? Now we live in a twisted world, inverted world, and I don't have to expand about it. That's part of uh, the prophecies in the old times that the world is going to get worse and worse, morality speaking, spiritually speaking. But you know, there is uh, light at the end of the tunnel because God's children are, are called the light of the world. Amen? We are called the light of the world, the soul of the world, and God has given us understanding, and God has given us His Word, so we will know how to live, how to also affect the world that we're living in in such a way that we can be a channel of blessing to them. Affect and light the darkened sphere of influence or sphere of acquaintances that we have. Because we are now in the light, we ought to walk in the light. That's why we read in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15 to 17, if we turn to that passage of Scripture again, Ephesians chapter 5, I'm sorry, verses fi uh, 15 to 17. It says there, See then that ye walk circumspectly. circumspectly. Notice the word walk. That's why in our slide there, you know, when we walk or when we uh, drive our cars, they are signs, isn't it? They are traffic rules. They are regulations we ought to obey. We ought to follow or else if, Anybody will just do their own thing and do it their own way. There will be confusion and there will be chaos and there will be a lot of disaster, isn't it? So when we walk, there's a path that we have to go. There is a place we have to be. So same thing in our Christian lives. Our walk, there is guidelines. There are, there are steps that we had to, to take so our walk will be right. Amen? Our walk will be pleasing to God. He says there, See then that you walk circumspectly. Like we, we get the word circle or circumference. It's like, you know, round. So when we walk, we walk like looking here and there, front and back, sideways, so we'll know what we're gonna, where we're going to go. So we will not bump into something or we'll not fall into a ditch or hurt ourselves. So we walk like that in our Christian life, not as fools but as wise. That's why we look at Bible prophecy. We look at the day-to-day, -day daily bread of the Word of God to know what is God's will in our lives. Then it says that redeeming the time because the days are evil. Or in other words, make the most of every opportunity. Why? Once again, we're living in the last days. Perilous days. All right? Like in the days of Noah, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise. Diba? We want all here to be wise. Amen? 
We want here to know what we're doing. Amen? We, we want to know that what we're doing is blessed by God. So we can only find that out through the Word of God, through the final authority of our faith and practice, the Word of God. Wherefore, be not unwise, but here, understanding what the will of the Lord is. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's why we look at Proverbs chapter 3 also, verse 5 to 6. We know this verse of Scripture. I love to give this verse of Scripture to uh, our young people who are starting early in their life or somebody who is starting early in their career. When the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. There's a contrast there, isn't it? Trust the Lord and don't lean in your own understanding. Why? Because our understanding is defective. Amen? We don't know all things. We don't know the end from the beginning. But only God knows all of that. Isn't it? That's why we can trust in His omniscient plan in our lives. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. There you go again. There's the heart. Speaks there with the seed of our being. And in all thy ways, verse 6, acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. It's like the same thing the steps of the good man are ordered in the Lord. So in that step, God wants you, by His grace, to direct your paths. Alright? Isaiah 58, 11. I hope this verse of Scripture will bless our hearts. Isaiah 58, 11, And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. Amen? God wants us to be a big bone Christian. Amen? All right, that's good. That's good. Spiritually speaking, amen? <laughs> Big bone or fat as a Christian. Faithful, available, teachable. Or meaning, enriched with the word of God. Enriched with God's words of life. So here, hear me out. What is success? You know, a lot of us are trying to look for success. And in our education month, you know, we uh, appreciate our graduates, all right? Of course, as parents, we want them to succeed in life. Well, that's why parents sacrifice a lot, encourage them to study hard, or you might get into some debt because you want your children to have some good education. Amen? But what is good success, biblical success in God's eye? Simply saying, next slide here, success is finding God's will as early in life as possible. Then following God's will than finishing God's will. Aren't you glad uh, there's this good commendation that will come from the Lord when we serve Him faithfully? When we finish our course, when we have kept the faith, when we have run the race with patience, all of us would like to desire to hear that phrase from the Lord, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? You know, this coming uh, Friday, we will have... Uh, memorial service of one of our dear sister in the Lord. And by the way, it's potluck. Amen? Uh, always say, bless luck, all right? Pot bless, all right? Uh, we will uh, celebrate her life and also we will see what the Word of God says when uh, a child of God passes from this life to glory. When somebody is promoted from this life to glory, all right? And we know for us, we are sudden, but we are people with hope, once again, amen? Because of what the Bible teaches, because of eternity, because of what Christ had done for us. So, you know what? 
it's really good when we know what the will of God in our lives is, when we finish God's will. You know, the secular world tries to spell success with only five letters, and you know that. It starts with letter M, isn't it? If you have money, you are a successful person because money, you know, it can buy you probably your material goods. Sometimes people equate your success with the kind of car you're driving or the house you're living or the many numbers in your bank account. Amen? So that's the world standard of success. And we know from the scripture that even the love of money is the root of all evil, isn't it? It's not money itself which is neutral, but the love, the greed of it. That's why people will do some horrible crimes and things that's so despicable because they want to gain something to spend for their lust, for their, you know, for their pleasure, which is, you know, corrupt and carnal in the eyes of God. But for a Christian, sometimes you'll see a person that they don't have much. But, you know, if they have God and His Word and His will in their life, they are one of the most richest person in this world. Amen? They are more free than a person who has everything that the world offers, but they are actually in bondage of that material thing. Actually, it makes them a bondage of that material thing that they lose sleep and peace because they have so much in life. All right? But a person who don't have much but have the Lord in their life, they are one of the richest person in this world. Because with God in your life, you have everything. Amen? Psalms 32 verse 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee. You know, take note of that. Highlight that. I will guide thee with mine eye. Aren't you glad God can see much further ahead of us than us? He knows what's best for us. He has a will for us in our lives. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship. And if, of course, before that, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved. One of my favorite passages of scripture that tells us that definitely, without shadow of a doubt, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. Amen? For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So after we got saved, you know, what is the byproduct that there's truly some change that happened in you? That there's really the work of God that happened in you. Now you are created to do good works. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should, notice again, walk in them. So one of the fruits of the salvation uh, of our soul is the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness. Amen? We now do good because of the fruit of our salvation. We don't do good to be saved. Not the root of our salvation, but it's always the fruit of our salvation. And whenever we speak about our theme verse here at the end of the quarter, you know, in the book of Galatians, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, and if we have opportunity, let's do good, especially to those who are in the household of faith. Isn't it? So that verse of scripture also encourages us to do good works. Because now that's the byproduct, the, fr the fruit that we are truly saved. Because Jesus is good. Amen? And he wants his people to do good to this world, to 
the believers to the body of Christ. You know? So we should walk in them. We are created unto good works. How about Philippians 2.13? Philippians 2.13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's the love of Christ, the other passage of scripture says, that constraineth us, that motivates us to do good and to preach the gospel. So some say, God is not showing me his will. If God has a will for our lives, then it stands to reason that he wants to reveal it. Amen? And God has a will for every person in this room. God has a will for every man in this world. Of course, his perfect will for every man that no, no one should perish but have everlasting life. He's not willing that any should perish. That's why he sent his son to pro provide a way for us to be saved. But you know, some people will choose to reject the Lord because of their evil heart. They will be unrepentant, but they cannot blame God, amen, for not giving them the opportunity, the chance to know the truth and to know that God loves them. Because I believe God sent his son to be the savior of all men. But we have the human responsibility to respond on the gospel that we hear, that we preach. Yes, God is sovereign, but we have the human responsibility to either accept him or to reject him. So some say God is not showing me his will. So how do we find God's will? So there are some prerequisites to being in God's will. You know, you don't just stumble into it. You have to find it, seek it, and want it, especially as a Christian, as a believer. So three things that we can say how to find God's will. You know, we know it's not the world's way to find God's will. You know, Hollywood, or Hollywood, sometimes, they say, follow your heart. What does your heart tell you? Uh, what does your heart tell you? To date that person? Or to, to go that, to that school? Or to participate or be involved in that program or in that institution? But what does the Bible says? Our heart, once again, is deceitful and desperately wicked. We cannot really trust it. Because, isn't it? It's not perfect. It's wicked. It's sinful. All right? So we should not follow our heart. All right? Modern psychology says, let your conscience be your guide. Follow your conscience. But the problem is our conscience, the Bible says, may be seared with a hot iron. Our conscience can be callous. Our conscience can be, uh, what you call this, overlook. We, don't, we can even quench it, so to speak, isn't it? We don't want to hear it. We can cover it, you know? But... You know what? Here are some good practical prerequisites in finding God's will that we can find in Psalms chapter 37. First is, as a believer, we need to live a godly, pure lifestyle. Amen? Look at verse 23 of Psalms 37. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So if you see here, the Bible clearly teaches that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So we see a good man here, this assumes that this person is a person who knows the Lord, amen? Who has a relationship with God. So we see this principle throughout this entire psalm, to live a godly, pure lifestyle. Look at verse 3 of Psalms chapter 37. It says there, trust in the Lord and do good. Do good. 
so thou shalt dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Look at verses 8 and 9. Cease from anger, all right? Trying to live, you know, righteously, a good lifestyle. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Look at verses um, 16 and 18 of the same chapter. A little that is a righteous man had is better than the riches of many wicked. This speaks of contentment. Amen? The little that a righteous man had is better than the riches of many, con many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. Alright? And then verse 27. Depart from evil, another admonishment to live godly, pure lifestyle. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. Look at verses 29 to 31. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Look at verse 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. Keep his way. Live according to his will. Live righteously. And he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. How about verses 37 to 40? Mark the perfect man or the righteous man or the upright man and behold the upright for the end of that man is peace. But in, in contrast, the transgressor shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. You know, thanks be to God for those verses. I thank God also for what the choir had sung a while ago. Be strong. In the second verse that we sang, it caught my attention. Uh, there is a time that we're living in that is evil, isn't it? Perilous, dangerous. But the song encouraged us to be strong in the Lord. Take courage. Take refuge. God has a plan. God has a purpose in everything. So, we can see that a good man here does not mean perfect. But nowhere does the Bible promise guidance to a believer with known sin in their life. Take note of that. And we can divide God's will into two parts. All right? God's personal will, my direction, and God's moral will for my life, God's direction. All right? It is impossible to zero in on God's personal will for our life if we are living in rebellion to his moral will in our life. Is that clear? Amen? It is impossible to zero in on God's personal will for our life if you are living in rebellion to His moral will for our life. In other words, more important is what you are than what you do. Amen? And what we are is much important than where we are or the physical location. So God is looking, once again, for our heart. Amen? What we are, our character, than what we do. Because what we are will affect what we do. Amen? What we believe will affect on what we behave, how we behave. Amen? What we think about will affect on how we act out. Amen? In our lives. So in other words, what you are in God's eyes is more important than what you do. So God's moral will, what is God's moral will for us? It is oftentimes spelled out in the Bible, in God's word. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.3. What is God's, uh, of course, his perfect will 
in our lives is for us to, you know, be saved for the unsaved world. And also God has permissive will that he allows his children to do. Sometimes uh, we remember the prodigal son, isn't it? He has his own will. The father has a plan for him. And God, the father allowed him to do his own thing. To teach him a lesson. To teach him that, you know what, there's wisdom in taking heed on the father's will and the father's plan. Look at this verse of scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God, talking about God's moral will, even your sanctification even your sanctification so after salvation comes sanctification it is god's will that we live holy lives once again not perfect lives but holy lives god's personal will for your life will elude you until you get that nailed down and some christians sad to say will go to the grave never having let god do spiritual surgery on their life after salvation. They said, well, that's how I am. You know, I cannot do anything about it. Either you like it or you lumped it. <laughs> Just accept me. I'm not changing. Sometimes that's their, their mindset. But you know what? That's a tragedy. Because you will never be able to zero in on God's personal will for your life until you are submissive to his will for your life. If you are harboring sin and living in rebellion in a certain area of your life, you will, not will, you will not know God's personal will in your life. This means we must acknowledge his lordship, amen, on every area of our lives. I'm not talking about sinless perfection here. I'm not saying we'll never stumble or fall, but that we have no sin, we should ever grown comfortable with nurturing it harboring it no habitual ones or too familiar with and look at this are we doing the basic when it comes to god's will in our lives how about our giving unto the lord isn't it the bible says where your treasure is there will your heart be also so let me ask you brethren beloved in the lord what do you treasure today I hope you are treasuring your personal relationship with the Lord because it is something that is worthwhile. It's something that you will bring with you forever. You know, to know God and to, to do His will is something that we ought to do as a Christian. Amen? So what is God's will, for, especially for a believer, uh, when it comes to giving, when we give our tithes unto the Lord? Amen? We give it because we honor Him. We give it because it's not just our duty but it is our delight to give unto the work of God. It's a test of our faith, amen? It means that we put God first in everything because it's the first tenth part of our income, amen? That's why we are encouraged to put God first in everything, like Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, what we need, shall be added unto you so when you know we encourage people of god in this place to support the ministry to support uh our church program especially the missionaries when it comes to tithes you know we know even though it's old testament but still applicable in new testament age amen because actually the old testament is uh, a shadow of things to come and the new testament as christ teaches requires more than the Old Testament. Amen? 
That's why our, our giving should be grace giving. Because we receive such tremendous grace from God. God, isn't God is gracious to all of us? God allowed us to live for another day. God has given us the strength. God has given us everything that we need. God has given us our job. So when we give our first tenth, we are telling God, Lord, I love you. I honor you. I, 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 I appreciate your, your, your faithfulness in my life. This is something I like to honor you with. So you return it. Actually, you're not really giving yet unto the Lord. You are returning something that God wants you to bless bless you with. It's, it's, it's a trust fund when you give your tithes. Can God trust you to give the 10% unto him with all your heart? You know, you know if, if all the members of a church will just give that, God will tremendously bless the church and will do more for the glory of God. And I'm not saying when you give your tithes, you'll never know any need or lack of anything, and you'll be rich. But as you obey God's word and his principle, do you care that you're rich toward God? Amen? Then to be rich towards here in this earth? Because if you do it unto God, if you give it to God, and you give it to God, and you will not follow it with your, your thinking, well, what are they going to use it for? You know? Of course, the Lord will uh, uh, give an account. We will give an account on how we use what he has entrusted to us. Amen? So that's why we try to use it frugally according to God's, you know, God's will. But when you give it to the Lord and you give it with a pure heart, you just say, whatever the Lord's will is, let it be used for his glory. Amen? You give it freely. You give it unto the Lord. And you should not think about it. As the Bible says, when you do something good, don't let your left hand and your right hand know about it and talk about it. Amen? Let, let the Lord see it, take tabs on it, and record it, and the Lord will reward you one of these days. It doesn't mean when you give your tithes, you will be out of debt. Amen? And you'll be rich tomorrow. But it's just expressing your honor and reverence toward God. Lord, you bless me with so much. I'm still left with 90%. And I know you will bless me with that 90% because I honor you for the first 10%. And on that 90%, you will help others. Amen? You will give people who are in need. You'll support your family. You'll support the work of the church, the missionaries. If God can trust you with the 10%, then God will give you the blessings for the rest of the 90%. It will go more, you know. And the Bible says, bring ye the tithes into the storehouse that I might have meat in my house. And the Bible says, prove me now. The Bible says, experience God's grace now and his blessings toward you. Amen? So, uh, giving those things is just, you know, actually secondary because God wants us to give our hearts to him. If we submit our hearts to him, then our pocketbook, our wallets will also submit, amen, to his will in our lives. And God will bless you for just honoring him and obeying him. So how about uh, in the matter of morality, you know? How about in the matter of pride or service and attitude? About in the matter of bitterness in our hearts, gossip, prejudice, daily devotions, you know? How about the matter of bad friends or wrong associations, are we doing the basic in the will of God in these areas in our lives? And we know one of the biggest mistakes that we as Christians can make is try to make a decision regarding God's personal will for our life while we knowingly and willfully have sin in our lives. And we fail on those areas that I mentioned. 
Why? We will not know God's personal will. Because the channel of communication has been short-circuited. Sin does that. Amen? It short-circuits the channel of communication between God and us. It's like when we have sinned in our hearts and confessed, unrepentant, and forsaken, it puts us a spiritual earplug we cannot hear from God. Or cataract that clouds our vision, spiritually speaking. But we know what? If we confess our sins, amen? First John 1 John 1.9, and ask the Lord to forgive us, He will forgive us. He will cleanse us. He will renew us. You see, God does not reveal His will to us that we might consider it, though humanly speaking, that's what we want, isn't it? Freedom to consider whether we like His way or not. But you know, no, God does not reveal His will for us that we might just consider it, but so we could obey it. Amen? By His grace. God reveals His will to us when He knows that we are willing to obey. So why in the world will God reveal His personal will to you when we are blatantly and repeatedly violating His moral will? To live a pure Godly life, live righteously, you know? That's why we, uh, for the youth, flee fornication, amen? Uh, live morally, live pure, because it's God's will for your life. Why should God direct your future paths if you pur purposely avoided doing what He has told you to do already in the present? Maybe when you cross the first bridge, God will show you the next one is, amen? Uh, are you rebelling against God in some area of His moral will? If you want to know his personal will, you must first obey him in his moral will. Because once again, we read the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. This is assuming you are obeying in the moral will of God. Now he will show you his personal will. How to be in God's will 10 years from now? Be in his will 10 minutes today. Amen? Because God's will begin today, not yesterday. Amen? And aren't you glad you're in God's will this morning? Because you are in the house of God. Amen? Through God's word. Amen? And God's will is for us to be here today. We are here to worship God. We are here to hear from Him. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Oh, we know this. Even in verse 1. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We know that, isn't it? That's been preached a lot of times. You know, we are now, the bo our body is God's temple now. We need to honor God with our bodies because when we got saved, this becomes His temple. We don't go to a physical temple in Jerusalem or somewhere here in New Jersey and offer sacrifice. Now our, our temple in this New Testament church era and this grace period is our body. We serve God through our bodies, you know. But it says there in verse 2, and be not conform to this world. Ah, madali pong makonform ngayon, di ba? That's why we have sets of standard as a Christian, amen? Like how we act, how we look like, it's not, because there's supposed to be a distinction, amen? From the child of God, from uh, born again believer to, to the world. But the world would like to mix it in, to blend it in, amen? Even the, the liberal church, but there's supposed to be distinction because God has to see that there is a separation between his people and the people of the world. Amen? It's not we're like, uh, as Christ said, we, we are in the world but not of the world. Amen? It's not like total isolation. Amen? Because we still go through the secular and safe world. But what this verse means is like 
we are conforming, we're doing the evil acts, the evil ways that they're doing. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye, the next is transformed by the renewing of our mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And what can transform our mind is no other than the word of God. So first of all, to know you're walking in God's will, you need to live a godly, pure life. Second thing, you need to have a yielded heart. Verse 5 of Psalms chapter 37. It says there, Psalms 37 verse 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. The word commit there, or the, the word trust there, simply means to yield. And yield means to surrender or submit to the physical control of another, or to hand over possession of. The Bible clearly indicates that we are not our own. We are bought with a price. God is our owner right now. Amen? So it means God is our master. If there's a master-servant relationship. And you know what? God, Jesus Christ, is such a good master. He's compassionate. He's benevolent. He's merciful and gracious. He's fair. Amen? He's just. Uh, when he commands us something, the Bible says in the book of John, his commandments are not grievous, meaning we have the ability, the opportunity, the grace of God to be there to obey it. And when we obey, there's blessings, there's joy, there's contentment. Amen? But you know what? The devil whispered to our ears. No, um, it's hard to obey God. It's hard to give your offerings to God because you have this need. You have, it's hard to, to pray because you're too tired. It's hard to read your Bible because there's more entertainment out there. You have to follow what you're, you're following. You're, 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 you're losing, you're missing out. But you know what? We should not listen to those whispers of our old flesh and the devil and the world. Let's listen to the still small voice of God in our prayer life, in his word. We are not of our own. We are bought with a price. And what cost God? to purchase us, to give us redemption. No other than the precious blood of Jesus. That's very costly, amen? It, mean, it means it's, it cost God everything he had. It cost his dearly beloved son. So it, the least thing we could do is to give him back what we have. So God is our owner. We should not insist on our way. Or sadly, he may let us insist in our way. And we know what's going to happen. Isn't it? So the question is, are we willing to hand over control of our life to God and do whatever he wants you to do? Can you honestly say you are surrendered fully? It's like handing God a blank check of your life for him to fill it in. Do you trust him enough to do that? Verse 3 and 5 says, trust in the Lord. And trust is our issue, isn't it? Because our perceptive, our, what we see is only from here to there, amen? And we don't know beyond that. It's really short distance. But once again, when we trust God who knows all things, from the end to the beginning, from the beginning to the end, then we can safely and peacefully trust him in all things. If you have trouble giving him control, it's because you don't trust the Lord enough. If you have trouble trusting him, it's because you don't know him enough. You know, trust takes time, experience, and the question is, is God trustworthy? Definitely we can say, Amen. Yes, amen. God is always trustworthy. For example, if a stranger asks you to give them $50 and they say, just trust me, I'll explain it later. Do you give a stranger, complete stranger, $20? Do I, 
Do, do you have good reason to trust him or her? No, isn't it? Because you don't know them. But they say, if your wife's husband asks you for $50 and they tell you, trust me. Okay, that's not the best example. But we're still going to give her $50, amen? So there'll be peace, all right, in your relationship in the home. And you never know. You go home, you have a nice meal, amen? Prepare for you. But we trust that person because they are our wives. They are related to us. We have a communion with them. We have a communication with them. So we give what they ask. So here is something we can say about the Lord. As we know Him, we come to love Him. As we love Him, we come to trust Him. As we trust Him, we come to obey Him. As we obey Him, we are blessed by Him. Aren't you glad God has that design and desire and purpose for you? To know Him. That's why we're here today. That's why you're in your Sunday school class this morning. That's why you read your Bible. That's why you, know, you, you take time to know the God who created you who saved you, who, who long for you to have a relationship with Him, who long for you to serve Him with all your heart. Because the more you know Him, the more you love Him, and the more you love Him, the more you trust Him, and the more you trust Him, the more you will obey Him, and the more you obey Him, the more you'll be blessed by Him. What a good God we have. Amen? Third, lastly, you know, delight yourself unto the Lord. All right? <clears throat> Leave a pure godly lifestyle. You have to have a yielded heart. Commit trust to know God's will and also delight yourself unto the Lord. And we know this passage of scripture. And we love it <clears throat> in Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself also unto the Lord. And it says there, he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And we love the last part. Desires of my heart. Oh Lord, I thy will be done. But give me John, you know. Uh, Lord, oh, delight. And he will give my desire. You know, you desire a brand new car, right? It's understandable. You've been driving that car for 20 years, you know. And you're just a faithful steward. And, and you've used that blessing to bless others. And you know what? God is not, you know, blind to see what you need. And sometimes God... Grants even our wants, amen? Because, you know, he sees that you are a faithful steward. You can be trusted. You know, sometimes, kaya, just feel alright, alright? Yung mga nag-50 dyan at bumili ng magandang sasakyan, alright? <laughs> Deserve it. God is just good, amen? When we delight ourselves in the Lord, our will is conformed to His. That's what really, what the, the passive scripture means. God merges His will and our desire then our desire will be transformed to his desire. Then God gives us this, that desire, and that desire now is in line to God's will and desire. But the first thing it should happen is you should delight yourself unto the Lord. When you delight, your desire will be changed. Your wanter will be changed to the wants of God. So how did I know I was supposed to marry my wife January? You know, it wasn't that I was, it was a spooky, mysterious way. I did not read her name in the Bible, but I can read her name in the calendar. Amen? I didn't hear a deep uh, growling voice through the duck work. You know, I was just trying to pray for what God's will in my life is. You know? And uh, God showed that I wanted to marry her. There's that love. 
So my desire for her may be, have come before her desire for me. So I was obviously probably much closer to God than she was. Then she just finally came around and saw the light. Oh, I'll be in trouble now. And I, did I pay the dowry? Was it enough? All right, thank you, Pastor Max. All right, I think it was enough. All right, but you know what? For uh, some of our ladies here, you have your husbands right now because I think by God's grace, you had delighted yourself before God in the first place. Then God just give the desire in your heart. And even God has transformed your husband right now to be the man that God wants him to be. And praise be to God. Amen? Because you showed that you delight yourself to God. Look at the missionary journeys of Paul. Over and over it says, he went to a place because he had the mind to go. He desired to go. He desired that because he was walking with God in the first place. Isn't it? There are spiritual uh, habits that Christians have to build in their lives if they are delighting in the word. Three actually spiritual habits. They are essential to know the will of God. Very practical. Uh, three spiritual habits that Christians have to build in their lives. Of course, we know that God leads through his word. God leads through prayer. God leads through the preaching of his word. Let's look quickly at this. First, God leads through his word. Psalms 119 verse 105. You know this verse of scripture? And this is the longest chapter in the Bible. And we see that law or precepts are, or the Bible or scripture is, has a lot of names. And every verse has something pertaining to the word of God. It says here, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So God's word is likened to a lamp. You know, during those days, those, those lamps can be put in their uh, course, when you have a lamp and you go to a darker place, the more you step forward, the more it lights the step that you have to walk in, isn't it? You won't see like 15, 20 feet, you know, of your destination, but progressively, isn't it? That lamp will light the path that you have to take each step of the way. Same thing with the Bible. It will light our path, all right? Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We know the word of God is the Bible, amen? It's best of, for our offensive and defensive uh, tool in our spiritual warfare. And sometimes it's offensive to us, amen? It's a two-edged sword. You know, um, when it has to correct us, it's, it has to re reprove us. But it has to rebuke us. Amen? But take it to heart. Amen? Sometimes we have strong preaching here in this pulpit. Mighty preaching. Convicting preaching. Amen? And that's God's word working as a sword. Two-edged sword. And we need to take heed to listen. Amen? We need to take heed to, to uh, internalize it because God is speaking to us in a special way. And a big part of knowing God's will is knowing whether the peace you feel it's about what you want or what God wants. So you must immerse yourself in mega doses of God's word. It's, go, it's, it's okay to OD on God's word. Amen? Actually, you never get overdosed in God's word. Actually, there's lacking. Amen? In our lives every day. Even though we have all the accessibility to hear it, to read it, you know, to meditate upon it. But of course, with the demands of life. And we have many excuses. Amen? 
but we ought to have a, word, uh, a desire for God's word. So delight yourself in the word of God. So how do we delight ourselves in the word of God? First, appreciate the word. Recognize this as God's love letter for you. It is inspired, infallible, powerful when you realize what you've got because this will tell you of the past, the present, and the future. Amen? All at the same time. It's God's love letter to you, God's instruction for you how to live a purposeful and meaningful life. Unbelievable that people who don't even carry it to church. Amen? Many don't crack it open except at church. It accumulates dust during the week, and they have many of it. Yet we should have a daily dose of it. Amen? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Not just physical bread, but we need to have the daily bread of the word of God. You'll never know God's will and God's way until you know God's word. You'll never know God's will and God's way until you know God's word. So, appreciate the word. Do you appreciate the Bible? That's why we are called Bible-believing Christians. We believe on the Bible. We appreciate God's love letter. Secondly, appropriate the word. Means receive it or welcome it. The truths of the Bible do you no good if you do not receive them. As we pray, Lord, give us listening ear, understanding heart. Some appreciate the Bible but don't approach it willing to be changed or be touched by it, to be operated by it. But we have to be willing to say, Lord, I submit to your word. I submit to your word. Number three, not only appreciate the word, appropriate it, but apply the word. Amen? The Bible is powerful. I have a lot of verses here for the sake of time. The word of God does the work of God, but only in the lives of those who apply it. Sabi ng Bible sa book of James, do not just be hearers of the word, but also doers of it. Doon po yung battleground. Amen? Doon po yung what we call, what we uh, the struggle. Yes, we can hear it, but by God's grace, let's do it. Apply it. Look at this some biblical example. Jesus told Peter to walk on the water. Remember that story in the gospel? But what did Peter have to do? He has to get out of the boat. And a lot of people criticize P Peter of sinking, but at least he went out of the boat. He had the one who had the faith to really believe what God said. He believed in on his word, but of course, we know that spiritual practical lesson, he lost his focus on Jesus. He saw the waves. He saw the, 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 um, the strong wind. And instead of looking unto Jesus, having faith on him, then he looked at those waves, it starts sinking. But God, through the person of Jesus Christ, was still there to rescue him, isn't it? And save him. But at least... He believed God. He applied his word. He got out of the boat. How about the lame man at the pool of Bethesda? He was told to take up his bed and walk, but he would still be lying there if he had not obeyed. The miracle happened. The great thing happened because he just listened and obeyed God's word. How about the Israelite people in Egypt? They could have killed the Passover lambs, prepared and ate it, even drained the blood into the bucket, but if they did not, they did not apply it to the doorpost then the death angel would have come and visited them and they will lose their firstborn. But they did all of that and they did and obey to the end, to the T of the Lord's instruction and they were spared. Isn't it? So there's always blessing in obedience. So, how to know God's word? 
how to know we are walking in his will. You know, obey him, live a pure godly life, you know, yield our hearts to him, delight ourselves to him. How do we delight ourselves to him? Through his word. We appreciate it, we appropriate, we apply it, but also through prayer. God leads through prayer. We know prayer is a two-way street. If we will be still, we will hear God's still small voice in our hearts. I love this. <clears throat> when we pray, it is not just talking at God or even to God, but talking with God. Sometimes um, those of us who have been in some really tough times in our lives, in our sickness, isn't it? In our great need, dire need. Maybe of a family member. Isn't you, you experience this? Your prayers in the night, your prayers, you are really talking with God. Like, Lord, I need to feel your presence. It's like, I need you to be beside me more than ever. And those are one of the most sweetest, wonderful time in our Christian moments, Christian life. When we pray and God is with us. Kasi sometimes nalangin tayo, yeah, we respect God at most. He's majestic, He's holy, and, and we need to reverence Him. Sometimes we feel like there's a distance, isn't it? But aren't you glad with Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, who is our mediator, who is our intercessor, who knows what we feel because He went through it as a human, amen? Now we can pray with God. Praise the Lord for that. You know, look at this quick example. When God leads through prayer, Acts 8.29, The Spirit saith unto Philip, Go near and join thyself in this chariot. Remember, he was doing such evangelistic crusade campaign. He was being used by God to preach the gospel to Samaria. But there was this Ethiopian eunuch that God saw his heart desiring to know the, the one true living God. He just came from a re religious service in Jerusalem and he's reading from Isaiah and he cannot understand it. And God has to whisk away Philip, the evangelist, just to talk to that single person. And you know what? Now, now there are Christian churches in Africa because God saved that eunuch. Amen? Through his evangelist, Philip, so the gospel can penetrate and, and be proclaimed and broadcast in that continent. You see? God works in a wonderful and mysterious way, isn't it? But it all happened because the Spirit said, and to Philip, go near and join yourself to this chariot. There was a prayer. Even in ne during Nehemiah's time, what did Nehemiah chapter 7 verse 5 says? All right. And my God put into my heart to gather together the nobles and the rulers and the people. God put in his heart. And in our study in Nehemiah, God used him marvelously to build the walls of Jerusalem in that magnificent how many days only instead of like many years. Because the spirit of the Lord had led him. I can go on and on with other example of how God, you know, uses people because they had a heart to pray to him. The Spirit of God has spoken to him. And thirdly and lastly, about preaching. God leads through preaching. The supernatural um, power of preaching. Look at this verse of scripture, 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto which are saved, it is the power of God. You know, there's a lot of times that's one of the clearest and precise and demonstration of God's will in our lives. 
are the times that we hear the preaching of God's word. Isn't it? It doesn't matter who is the messenger. Amen? Who is the servant. But if we look at what they're preaching about when it comes to the word of God, God can use that. Amen? Because his word knows no bounds. If we just listen with our spiritual ears and spiritual understanding, then God can speak to us in a special way. And because of that preaching, a lot of things that we ought to do <laughs> that we are not supposed to do is, is now uh, hindered. And the will of God prevailed. Amen? And don't ever take for granted the preaching of God's word. And sometimes you, you have missed the will of God in your life because you were absent during the time of preaching. Amen? So be here when the word of God is preached because you will find blessing upon it and the will of God upon it. May we bow our heads for prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you Lord for these simple practical lessons that we found in this psalm. How to know we are walking in your will and we know Lord, that there's a lot of in this world that would like to distract us, but thank you, Lord, that every now and then you are reminding us what we ought to do through the scripture, through the word of God. And thank you, Lord, that your will, in your will we can find joy and contentment and fulfillment. And we know that it might not be the safest place in the world. We might, as our missionaries had the uh, Testified, there is the possibility of persecution, of hardships, and can even fear of their life, but it's the best place in the world to be in the center of your will. And we pray, Lord, for ourselves and for others that we know in our life. If they are outside of your will, Lord, be merciful and be compassionate to bring them back. And you know a way to bring them back if they will just take heed of the working, of your working in their lives. And before I close this invitation, as we always do, we, we share the gospel here. Who knows? Only God knows. They have listened to this at some time because of the means of uh, virtual of technology we always preach the gospel what is the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 to 3 moreover brethren I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you in whom thou hast also received and believed that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scripture that is the good news that Jesus died for you he shed his blood he atoned for your sin on the cross because he knew that man is a sinner and we had sinned before a righteous and a holy God and we could never save ourselves because God's standard is perfect and we all have failed his complete and perfect standard because we had sinned by choice and by nature but there is one who had lived in this world who was the God-man. His name is Jesus. He did not commit sin, but in contrast, he obeyed all the law and all righteousness. That's why he's the only one that can bring us to heaven because he exchanged his life on the cross for our sins. 
He paid the ransom. He satisfied the holiness and righteousness of God. And not only that, after three days, He rose again. Means He's the only one that can give you eternal life. He's the first fruit, the Bible says, of the resurrection. He's the firstborn among the dead. That's why He, he resurrected and will never know death. And He's the only one that can give life, eternal life, to those that believe in Him. So the only way for a person to go to heaven is by trusting Christ and Him alone as their Lord and Savior. So if you haven't done that today, I don't know your heart. If you don't have the assurance that if death comes your way, and the Bible says, we're all going to die. It is appointed unto man once to die. But life doesn't end there. There is judgment. God has to give us an account. We'll give an account to Him what we've done through His Son, His offer of eternal life through His Son. So if you're here today, you've never known Him as your Savior, I implore you, I beg you, why not trust Christ? It's, it's not religion that can save you. It's not your good works. It's not baptism. Because if there's, no other, if there's any other way for a person to be accepted into heaven, to earn his own or her salvation, then there's no more reason for the Lord God Almighty to send His only begotten Son to suffer and die for our sins. But God knew there's no other way. So if you're here today, you would like to receive Him, trust Him as your heart. There's a prayer that you can pray. It's a prayer of calling unto God to save you. Will you trust Him today? Anybody, just raise your hand, I'll pray for you. Or in the sound of my voice, if you want to trust Him today, please pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I confess all my sins before you. Forgive me. I repent of all of it. And by faith, I ask you to save me today, to come into my heart and life, to be my Lord and personal Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, shedding your blood, rising the third day to give me eternal life. And help me to know you and live for you from this day forth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And my prayer for our Christian believers here. Such a wonderful privilege, a joy to know that you are walking in God's will. God has a personal will in your life, but you have to be also walking in His moral will in your life to know more of His personal plan and will in your life. And God's will is always the best. If you're doing God's will right now, keep on doing it. It's commendable. You're serving, you're volunteering, you're witnessing, you're giving. And we ought to do more. We need to occupy until He comes. Because there will come a time that we will not be able to work anymore. That's why we need to redeem the time because we know the days are evil. We need to support this local church with our time, talent, and treasure. We have to witness to our unsaved loved ones and friends. It's God's will. And the more you do that, the more He will reveal His will in your life do the do the ones that we already know that he already revealed and he'll give you more 
the coming days of what He wants to do in your life. May we be submissive, yielded to His will. So while we pray, let's do that. Please ask God, Lord, give me the boldness, the courage, the wisdom to do Your will, to walk in it by Your by Your grace, by faith. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for what you reminded us today. Thank you, Lord, that when we delight ourselves before you, when we love the things that you love, that is your church, prayer and the Bible, and the souls of men, then you will give the desires of our heart that is also according to your will. Lord, forgive us for the many times that we are distracted and we feel sometimes defeated and we are discouraged. But as the song says, we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might and to keep on going, to keep on moving forward and taking a step of faith to do what you want us to do for your glory, Lord. And forgive us, Lord, for the times that um, we are sidetracked and we love what the world offers than what you offer. So help us, Lord, to have a spiritual insight of your will in our lives. And we can only do this once again, Lord, by your help, by your grace. So play, I pray that you bless the prayers of thy people, for we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.